Stand clear. 100% wild podcast. So for all you listeners, hello and welcome to definitely not your favorite outdoor podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Drury Outdoors 100% Wild Podcast. We are powered by DeerCast. This is episode number 321, and I am Tim Chelsvik. I'm Matt Drury, and as always, you can find us anywhere podcasts are listened to, but you could also watch it over on DeerCast or mm-hmm. on the Drury Outdoors YouTube channel. So I don't know why you would want to see these two ugly mugs, but uh, there's usually... A reason why you would want to tune in and watch it sometimes versus just listening to it. Sometimes it's nice just to put a face to the voice. That's right. Well, Alan's shaking his head no. <laughs> Alan. So, hey, uh, one other thing uh, I want to get to real quick. Uh, if you can, subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I know you have. Oh, this the audience yeah it helps us out and uh you know we don't ask for much but if you can uh subscribe and share it with your friends uh that helps spread the word drop us a review that's right all those kind of things yeah all right so what are we doing this week so we've got a special fan show this week it's been a while we pepper these in every now and again because we we it's cool like we've got the rack pack on facebook it's fun to check in and visit with our uh with our audience but this is a way that we can further get to know you guys. That and I was too busy to get any other guests. <laughs> so this is our default. Mostly that. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. So we, 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 lo- we love getting to interact with you all. We don't get to do it enough. The podcast is just one of probably three things that you and I do. Three. Maybe <laughs> four. <33. laughs> yeah. It, what don't we do? It's it's a lot, but uh, but getting to to connect with you all in the rack pack is fun. Even more fun to get to visit on the show. So today we've got a longtime fan. We've got Captain. We got Captain Crazy's nuts. I call him Captain C squared Crazy it's, Nuts. I'm not easy, sure where I got that part from. It's easier to do that. Uh, so Chris Johnson is joining us all the way from Florida today. How are you, man? What's up, Chris? Oh, doing pretty good, guys. Doing pretty good. Getting warm. Getting to be ready to start planting. We're coming in a rainy season here, so I'm itching to get seed in the ground. In the sand? <laughs> in the sand. Yeah. In the Sahara Desert. That's what it, it feels like I'm growing on a beach. So Crazy. in the Rack Pack, Chris, he always, you know, posts and, and adds kind of what he's doing down there for hunting, you know, whether it's whitetails or turkey or, or, you know, planting, whatever. It's always interesting to see that diversity versus what we're dealing, you know, here in the Midwest, which is what we're accustomed to. So mm-hmm. it's always neat to see that difference in styles and what he's dealing with and temperatures and hurricanes and alligators, <laughs> iguanas. Yeah, yeah pretty much yeah and and if folks remember uh, i think we used his real wild clip back in the fall how could they remember he was out he was out out whitetail hunting and you were in a box an elevated box blind right and yeah it was a muddy blind on top of an elevated pad i made and uh yeah they were only 10 feet from me the three cubs that were they have now gotten the boot um mama got um, pregnant again. <laughs> so they get uh, the boot. They were sub-adults this past fall, and uh, now they're on their own. I have pictures of one of them still roaming around of those three cubs. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's, that's I don't know if, if it makes the news up by you guys, 
but here in Florida, they started showing up in downtown Orlando and they're always young cubs, mostly males that are getting pushed out of the area, Smoking. you know, kind of like a dispersal, kind of like deer with mm-hmm. bucks, you know, <laughs> they travel far and wide till they can find a territory. Unfortunately, Disney World. (laughs) Hey, mommy, look. Magic Kingdom. (laughs) It's not animatronic. They're animal friendly over there. (laughs) It will disembowel you. (laughs) Yeah. I want that. Yeah. It's uh, one got hit by a car, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, it's uh, pretty, pretty nuts this time of year around here. You got a lot more wildlife than most people suspect, not not including all the reptilian friends that we have, the gators and crocodiles in the salt water and plenty (laughs) of venomous snakes, too. I think we have about all of them. So that we have in the U.S. That's good enough reason for me not to hunt there. (laughs) Getting the heebie-jeebies. He he mentioned nuts. I didn't want to bring it up, but. Oh, he did it on purpose. (laughs) For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Captain Chris is probably the reason Matt and I are packing a couple extra pounds. Well, at least Matt. In the the fall. Like we lose our edge a little bit uh, because. Cause, uh, cause Chris also like he, you were a, um, uh, a deep sea fishing guide for a lot of years, right? Yeah. I, I've been in a fishing business for 39 years. I'm 53. I just turned it last week. So yeah, I was, uh, started when I was 12 up in New Jersey and then moved to the Florida Keys in 2004, started a business there. And then we left and moved up here because living at sea level during hurricane season is uh, rather unpleasant. Yeah. Once you've been through a couple of cat threes and fours, you, 17 years was enough. Hmm. You well, barely and- look a week over 52. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> the, he's found the fountain of youth. Well, and, and you do what most everyone does when they when they leave the the fishing, the angling industry, is you got into the nut industry. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, that's classic. Uh, a, a that's definite, what she said. It's, it's one of the steps you see all the time. Absolutely. <laughs> oh yeah, back back in the old nut grind. Yep. <laughs> No, that that whole the whole nut thing started. Um, I used to make the nuts at Christmas time. But y'all don't say that. It, it just it kind of went from there, and you know I had so much spare time when you're running 300 trips a year in Ooh. the Keys that I was like, you know what, am I going to do with this extra 50 days? So we started making these nuts and decided that it was going to become our business, and uh, moved up up here so now instead of being six feet above sea level i'm 160 feet above sea level big difference yeah i know it doesn't sound like much to you guys but in florida that's a big deal we're like 900 uh, around here yeah so here we are you know and uh we're we sell wholesale we sell uh you'll be able to find us in stores and golf courses in new hampshire and new jersey and uh here throughout florida we're expanding so it's been a year and a half of just going at it with the business and of course you guys have tried them so you know they're good man the we brittle I, like i basically just we he'll send a box of goodies to us and i basically just commandeer all the brittle <laughs> and you close your office door and no one sees you like bags of brittle of i was like hey dad likes brittle and never made it to dad <laughs> he would like so so that's why chris had to get terry's address and yeah. send some down there specifically correct they didn't get yeah, we're, we're, believe it or not we're actually we backed away from making the brittle although i'll make it for you guys special if you want but we backed off that because it's shelf life around here it just gets so hot that 
it literally starts melting. So. That sounds even better, honestly. You could yeah. drink the brittle? <laughs> Where's this? It thing? wouldn't be brittle anymore. <laughs> what would you call it? No, it's just molten Viscous? sugar at that point. <laughs> That's why sugar. I like it. Oh, yeah. yeah there you go. Di- diabetes and peanuts. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> so, so, so I, I, I'm curious, like having run so many offshore angling trips, I, you run into some weird people, I'm sure. <laughs> and you're stuck. Yeah. Matt's pointing at you. You're, <laughs> you're stuck with them on, on the boat. Like I, I went out on a, I'm on, a boat. on a, on a head boat, uh, walleye fishing trip out on Lake Erie out of Port Clinton years ago. Brag about it. And this guy, <laughs> I'm pretty wealthy. I got to fish with 50 other people on this. It's like you're standing shoulder to shoulder, everyone's vertical jig and open to snag a walleye in the anus. It's, it's not great. <laughs> but but this guy like started to lose his mind. Like we're sitting there, we're we're motoring along out to this out to the spot where we're gonna fish off a reef. And he he starts saying, like, hey, I see you looking at me. I and and I I look around and he's just like kind of looking at this this row of people and he starts having this like psychotic event like the FBI or CIA was tailing him and 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 the the first mate and the captain had to subdue him and nice. like I've been there I've been there not on my own boat but on party boats like that like you said up in New Jersey we used to work on them and the nighttime bluefish trips when people, we left the dock at 7.30 at night. Uh-huh. So they came prepared, if you know what I mean. <laughs> and they did some wacky stuff, like you said, and stuff like you're talking about. I I've think seen I'd, that. I'd like to fish up there. <laughs> like, yeah, I'd like to go my prepared. Kind of fishing. <laughs> <laughs> I'll bring the Zebco. I already got my, <laughs> I got the uh, 404. I fishing with the Zebco. It's impressive. That's how I started when I was five, man. <laughs> <laughs> you just got zinged. Hey, I don't care, honestly. I haven't fished since. <laughs> so. Maybe I'll get those Zebco back out. For- <laughs> we used to fish in the Keys with little ice fishing rods and try to catch these five-pound mangrove snappers at the docks. And, we, you know, there was some beer involved, but it was a lot of fun. And uh, we always joked about it. We'd bring the little Barbie Zebcos and stuff like that <laughs> to try and catch fish. We'd hook tarpon that are like 100 pounds. You want to see a real meltdown really fast, you do that. It's pretty funny. Jeez. Good stuff. Well, I'm I'm curious, like, what are some of the crazier stories of things you've had to do to 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 clients out there to Ooh. make sure they're safe? <laughs> Rephrase that. Well, I, yeah, there's there stuff I can talk about. Instead, stuff you can't. Um, it's a podcast. You can talk about anything. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was. Uh, we you know, most commonly you'd see just stupid behavior that you wouldn't think of doing on land. Um, but you're going to do it on the water because you're someplace different and think no one cares. This is international <laughs> you know, waters. I mean, it's it's hard to to point out any specific one that's not so graphic that. Oh, uh, yeah. Nice. Um, you know, we we used to fighting was a problem again with that nighttime stuff where people came, they were drinking uh-huh. all afternoon and decided to go blue fishing at night. I didn't. I didn't deal with it so much in the Keys as I did up in New Jersey. Imagine that. <laughs> but, you want to punch uh, me right now? Yeah, but I mean, you there's. Won't. <laughs> you know, I've had strange stuff happen all over. You know, <laughs> it's it's hard to pinpoint just one. It really is. I mean, I could probably, yeah. if I sat down with somebody to ghostwrite for me, 
I could probably write a book on some of the stories. Uh, it mm-hmm. you see some really absurd stuff. I you know again things you wouldn't think about doing on land, but <laughs> hey, I'm on the water. Who cares, right? It's no big deal. Can't be a consequence. So I'm like genuinely curious. <laughs> I mean, I, I had a. I, I will say this. I did have a guy while we were running to a spot just decide he was hot and jump over the side of the boat while we were <laughs> oh. doing thirty miles an hour. Oh. In the middle, I did of- have that once. Um, did you go I back for him or just decided, keep going he wanted to punch sharks in the head uh, every time we landed what? one um, there Why? was that you know it's st- again Dumb. things you would just a normal person wouldn't do on any given day and I'm sure that person wouldn't have done that had they not been on a boat you so know thinking is- what could go wrong here kind of you know it's that Darwin theory of yeah, oh, social uh, selection. Stupid. Yeah. <laughs> huh. Oh, sounds like a you know. I don't. Guy. I don't know. Can we go shark punching? Can go on and on. Really, we could do an entire hour and a half of podcasts just going on stupid things that people did. Shark comes up. Got him. <laughs> <laughs> or, does, or now he has my forearm. Yeah. Uh, I I've never caught a shark, but. I, I, I've I've always been concerned. Like, if you were to pick one up, it seems like they can just come back on themselves and they bite. can, they can, and you have to be very careful. I I did myself personally. Uh, we our charter business was called C squared, Matt. That's why you got Captain ah, C squared. That's my. I knew it my, came from somewhere. Email. You didn't yeah. make that up. <laughs> With C squared charters, and I would do personally about a hundred trips a year dedicated strictly to catch and release shark fishing. So we did it up very shallow. It was very crystal clear water. And when I say shallow, I'm talking four feet, five feet deep. Oh. We'd have anywhere from 15 to 25 sharks in a slick, right up to where you could literally hand feed them alongside the boat. Seems like a bad idea. And, <laughs> you know, if if you didn't mess with them, they want nothing to do with you. Matter of fact, I had a researcher to give a perfect example, I had a research guy. His name is uh, Dr. Austin Gallagher. You can see him on National Geographic and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And he was just a, uh, he was getting his PhD at a university of Miami. So he had some grand money to tag some lemon sharks and whatnot. So we, he came down and he wanted to film them in the water. And mind you, this is just about when GoPros started. I'm, I don't remember the year. I want to say it was like 2012. Mm-hmm. And, um, so there wasn't a lot of GoPro usage, but back then they had the housing and you put a video camera in it. Well, you had to get somebody in the water to operate the camera. So we have all these sharks in there. I mean, they're right at the back of the boat. Literally, you can hand feed them. And they are, they're averaging about six feet long. So they're about 120 to 150 pounds a piece, but the seven to eight footers getting upwards of 200. And lemon sharks are relatively docile as far as sharks are concerned. Mm-hmm. So... He decides he's going to slip into the water. He's the professional. He's he's the trained professional. Okay. So he slips in the water. As soon as he got in the water, every shark went back about 200 yards and stayed there hmm. and just sat there and milled around and milled around. So we waited and waited and waited. We sat there probably for an hour, hour and a half, and those sharks wouldn't get any closer than 200 yards, despite the fact that I've got all kinds of fish carcasses and stuff right there. The, the water is completely chummed up. And again, this water's crystal clear. This guy so must I can have really smelled bad. Yeah, day. fish repellent. As soon as he got out of the water, they came right back. Huh. They could smell him. I and was right. They, they want nothing to do with you. They're fish eating primarily. Now, you start going up north, you start dealing with great whites that have got a taste for seals. 
things like that, you might run into some problems. Or like that guy that's currently out there in the kayak off Hawaii. I'm sure you've all seen that I one. I just watched that last night on NBC News. Yeah, exactly. That guy, well, see, that's a tiger shark. And his kayak looks like a turtle. And that is the main prey species of a tiger shark. <laughs> so they, they eat turtles all the time. I used to see that in the Keys quite a bit. You come on these dead sea turtles, and they've got these giant half-moon bites taken out of them from the tiger sharks. And usually the shark was nearby because they won't get far from the food until they're done eating it all. But they can't <laughs> eat it all at once. So, you know, sharks are they're cool. They're neat to watch. They're, they're fun to catch. And, again, it was all a catch-and-release situation, so it was just more about the fun. Um, but yeah, you know, everybody's freaked out by them, but they shouldn't be really the people that get bit and Florida is like, I think number one for shark bites on the beaches, that water is usually kind of frothed up mm. a lot of sand and whatnot, you know, silt up into the water and the sharks can't see. It's, confusing. it's not like they can just reach out, touch and go, Nope, that's someone's foot to them. It's, I think that's something to eat and they got to try it with their mouth. And when they do. We all know what happens from that point forward. But nine times out of 10, they're spitting that person right out because it doesn't taste right. Thankfully, Missouri ranks number 47th on shark bites. A lot of regret. So we're, we're good. Got to watch out for them paddlefish. <laughs> I've seen some pretty big paddlefish in these rivers here locally. Thankfully, they're filter feeders. But, but they are a cousin to the shark. Yes, they are. So They're when you get the same age too, when you catch a shark, shark, and you you reeling them in, do you pull them into the boat to get a picture, no. or they no? You no, just we unhook them over them the side there. of the boat because I will tell you. I, so that guy, Doctor Austin Gallagher, we had to pull. Was he the also the fish punching the guy? No, not the fish punching guy. That guy, I'm telling I'm a doctor, you, doctor, bring that uh, shark to me. I, I I almost went home early because that guy had me so aggravated. Yeah, but. The um, Dr. Austin Gallagher had to get these sharks. We were taking blood samples from them as well. So mm -hmm. we had to pull these six footers into the boat. And we were only allowed to do that because we had a special permit. Lemon sharks uh, are protected in the state of Florida. You're not allowed to leave, lift them out of the water or anything. I know. So special permit, get them in the boat. And three of us. So he has two interns, me. And then he is, of course, draining, taking the blood out by the tail. And then we get that shark back over the side. And let me tell you, you know, they are solid muscle. You've never felt an animal that is quite so solid as they are when they tense up. What are you doing? Yeah. Well, then there's Matt. Yeah. Matt just touched his bicep. I don't I get know that. why. But it's I, still it's, moving. It's amazing how strong they are. And what you were talking about, Tim, where they can literally reach their tail because they're cartilage. Yeah. So all cartilage, there's no bones other than their backbone and their teeth. So, they can swing their tail all the way over to their mouth. If they wanted to bite their own tail, they can. And that gets a little hairy. We found out that about six and a half foot, 150 pounds, nothing bigger than that in a boat because they're very difficult to get back out. Getting them in wasn't so hard. It was the out part that was the problem. Yeah. Uh, we, I, I gave up on that after a while. I said, Matt, you know, I told him, I said, Austin, that's no, no bigger than this. Mm -hmm. So, but it's fun. So so let's let's transition over into whitetail hunting in Florida because it's it's way different than here in the Midwest. Just I mean not not to mention like the heat and the other animals that you're having to work around, but just the patchwork quality of the rut zones, right? Oh, it's it, the rut is crazy here. So coming from New Jersey, it was much like I think our rut timing was about the same as you guys in Missouri. 
um, you know, it was it was your classic get into November and, you know, by <clears throat> November 2nd, 3rd, all hell was breaking loose. And, uh, you know, the deer run around chasing and by Thanksgiving it was pretty much over. And then maybe you had a secondary rut around mm -hmm. December 15th ish somewhere in there. And then that was pretty much it here. I see scrapes open up in the end of August. Um, you start seeing like chasing behavior beginning of October all the way into February. Mm. It's, it's crazy. And it like, so I see a peak at Halloween. That's when I see a, a lot of chasing, a lot of, you know, a lot of heavy riding activity. Yep. Then I'll see it again at around Thanksgiving. Then I'll see it again around th Christmas time. And sometimes depending on how warm it was in the winter, like this past winter, I'll see it as far in and in, into January, mid January mm -hmm. of like full on chasing. And what's interesting is the size of the deer. So you'll, you'll see these big bodied four and a half, five and a half, six year old deer that, I mean, they're not as big as what you guys deal with in the Midwest. I don't think you'll ever see a deer down here. that's 200 pounds on the hoof, but they'll get up in that one 150 pound, 160 pound range. And, you know, but right next to it, you'll have a buck the same age, but because he was born in like July, he he's smaller body size, even though he's the same age. It, Mm. It is crazy. And I mean, I think even the researchers around here are like, they scratch their heads. Cause if you go out in a panhandle, so I'm like North of Orlando by a half an hour. So sure. I'm just North of Disney world basically. And we have multiples because we have Osceola deer, just like the turkeys, <laughs> kind of a little subspecies. Plus we have Virginia whitetails. Plus they have whitetails that came from Wisconsin that they stocked. I guess you call it stock and whatever for those deer <laughs> brought them down. So their rut pattern is different than the others. The Osceola's are usually like August, you know, you go down into the Everglades and the peak ruts in July, <laughs> it, it's based on weather. It's all based around the weather and the weather patterns and rainy season, rainy season's a big deal. You know, when, when the rains come, we get, I think they say it's over 70 to 75% of our rain comes from about now mm. all the way until like September. And then, you know, hurricanes, of course, uh, you know, where you get a foot of rain at a clip yeah. or more. So the fawn drop is timed so that the fawns are big enough to withstand a flood yeah. come August or September. So that's why the rut, in South Florida is in July and August. We're up here. It's a little later because we have more elevation and you're not so much in the flooding. Yeah. But then it extends forever. And then you go out into the panhandle and their ruts in January. So when does your bow season open and close? September, middle of September. I, I don't even, I'll be honest. I don't even do the bow hunting here. It is so hot. And mm. you're talking 90 plus every day. Um, I, I don't even, I don't even partake in it. Our, we have we have a muzzleloader season that opens up for a couple of weeks right around Halloween, which is like the peak of the rut. So for this year, I think I'm going to get involved in that. And okay. then we have the gun season. But the gun season, the general gun season, lasts from like the first Saturday in November all the way till the end of January. So it's a long time with general gun. Yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of a wacky 
season because I again they just can't really put their finger on breeding and whatnot. And it's they they seem to breed forever. I mean, I've seen fawns as early as last month, but I've also seen spotted fawns in October around here. <laughs> that, so th- it's that strange. Really, it really would change the hunting dynamic because we we know like up here when it's pre rut, you just keep your head on a swivel. You sit as long as you can because you just never know what's going to come running by you. That would be exhausting right. to 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 have that like happen at potentially any point in your season. Yeah, it's 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 bizarre and it's not as intense. So like you'll see a day or two or three where there's some running around. The uh, probably the most intense part of the rut is that Halloween time. I mean yeah. that's like a peak rut time. That's not a pre rut. Pre rut would be beginning of the month, but these deer, again, I think, you know, because of the heat that they're dealing with, you know, a lot of, a lot of activity at night. But if you get a good cold front early, a good cold front in October, the, then you'll see that activity in the daylight and all day. Like my cameras will catch all this activity at night, chasing and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But then during the day, if we get a cold front, poof, I've got all this activity. But now get that cold front come in December or January. They're like a lot of Floridians around here that don't come out of their house when it gets real cold. Oh, it's 60. These deer are the same way. That's why you guys look forward to a, a good hard cold front. Not yeah. here. You need two, three days on the backside of that front for things to stabilize out and then begin to warm up. And then the deer start showing back up. Even when here, it gets cold, they hunker down and don't move. Even but here though, they'll, they'll, if it's a shock, they'll, it, they they won't move great you know like it can be too cold too quick for them so it's it's kind of similar in that degree i'm sure the the temperature difference is is mm-hmm, it's a, relative yeah but uh yeah it'll happen you here know, too any, just like that yeah any any kind of major drop in temperature here i mean to see a lot of people don't realize we do get below freezing i mean i had multiple 20 degree days here in the mornings but by afternoon it's up 45, 50 degrees. Mm-hmm. That's when those deer would move though, middle of the day. Mm-hmm. I had to, I had to relearn deer hunting because I spent 17, all those years in the Keys, I think it was 17 years in the Keys. I left New Jersey, moved down there. I was out of the deer hunting world for all that time because all we did was concentrate on fishing. Obviously there was no deer hunting in the Keys. Um, but then when I got up here, uh, even before I got up here, when we evacuated up here for Irma, guy was one of my sponsors for our 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 uh, charter business he has a koi business and he's like yeah you can hunt on the property whatever so i've got like a 20 acre piece with about five huntable acres but it butts up to a national or excuse me a state forest Hmm. so i pull deer from there hence the food plotting and whatnot but you know i had to relearn deer hunting because everything I knew in New Jersey made no sense here whatsoever. None. Sure. It, it well, just it was bizarre. And you know, we, we talked about the patchwork nature of your your ruts, and this is one of the features that we built into DeerCast that we probably don't talk enough about. But people can go in and change their peak estrus for their different locations in case in case they they live in a spot where well maybe the the average date that the the app is set for doesn't quite reflect where you are so we did some when we first created deercast and built the algorithm we went state by state and tried to get general in some states there you know there would be multiple 
peak uh, estrus dates that we would put, that we would put in uh, ahead of time. So it was cu- kind of custom set for your area. But when we got to Florida, it was like holy cow. We tr- I mean, we did. There are several dates that we put in there based on some of the research we did. But it was so all over the board. Um, that that's definitely like for anybody hunting down there, you, you would want to go to your location. So where, where you would actually set your location, you can go in and change the peak asterisk or even like custom customize your deer cast prediction. It's all in the same spot for, for that location. So anyways, you would go in there and uh, select a date picker and change it to whatever, whatever you wanted and, and save it. But I would definitely recommend that for anybody hunting down there because, mm-hmm. you know, we, we preset it, but it doesn't mean it was a hundred percent accurate for your area because it, it was literally as uh, like a mile down the road. It was different. Very nuanced. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I changed mine to Halloween. Actually. Oh, really? That was one of the things. Cause I, what, like you were talking first introduced the app i think i bought it right away because i was in the keys still so i was trying to gauge what i had going on up here versus you know being that many miles away i was six and a half hours away from where i'm at now Hmm. and that was one of the first things i sort of figured out just by messing with it i was like oh you can change the date i didn't understand the significance at first because again i just started deer hunting again in 2017 so the last time I deer hunted was in New Jersey in 2003. So to say things changed a little bit was <laughs> an understatement, but, but then to relearn how these deer work up here, like, so I've killed a couple and there's no fat on these deer, none, sure. zero. Their hair is so much thinner than what I dealt with in New Jersey. Sure. Like their, their winter coat looks like a summer coat that you got, or even like an early fall coat, but you would see up there. So right away, I was like, okay, so there's some drastic differences here, despite the fact that it does get real cold. And like you said, the rut, forget it. I, if you look at the state of Florida map for rut zones, holy cow. I mean, again, when you look at South Florida and see July, you think it's a misprint and yeah. it's not. I mean, they have a season opens up in the Everglades in July. So when you, (laughs) you talked about how the kind of the, um, I guess the spring season or the wet season is from now till what'd you say? September, September. Yeah. So when do you Uh, plant uh, food? More in October, but yeah. When do you plant your food plots or how do you time that out? So you got to wait for obviously rains. Now our rains will come every day. You haven't Florida is kind of unique, which if anybody, I'm sure there's plenty of you out there that's been to Florida and everybody says, you know how you can time the rain. You can almost set your watch after the rain <laughs> when it's going to happen, especially those that have visited Disney World. As an example, at by noontime, one o'clock, you can literally watch the sky go from a regular blue sky without a cloud in it to suddenly the clouds start building. And by three o'clock in the afternoon, it's torrentially downpouring yeah. and you get an inch of rain in 15 minutes. And then, poof, it opens up again. Nice and humid. And it goes away. Well, that's a sea breeze coming from the Gulf and from the Atlantic and colliding over the center of Florida. And depending on which sea breeze is harsher than the other will dictate how far east or west on a peninsula your rains are going to happen. And so that sea breeze collision is just now getting going. So we're getting to a point of every day rains somewhere Mm -hmm. now it may not be on you 
but somewhere. So our winters are typically pretty arid. Amazingly, again, we're I guess Florida is considered more subtropical than tropical. Same with the Florida Keys. Florida Keys hardly gets any rain at all because you don't have that collision. And it's a very dry place. And a lot of people are kind of shocked at that. It's not a rainforest atmosphere because there's not enough land create the the clouds and the storms. But up here, I have to wait. You know, the weather's perfect come March. I mean, my soil temperatures are in the 60s and all that, but you're not getting a drop of rain. You don't get anything. So if you plant and you got a little shower, maybe dropped quarter of an inch of rain, you may not get rain for three more weeks. That is the driest part of the season is the early spring. That's the fire season down here. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you got to, your plants might sprout, but then they just shrivel up and die because you're trying to grow in sand. So that water just filters straight through. <laughs> it's It's been a learning curve. I mean, I've been literally planting up here since 2018. Just never and I'm just now <laughs> getting it to where I figured it out, to where I can actually get stuff to grow year-round. Yeah, Florida sounds delightful. You've got the hurricane season. You've got fire season. you got the arid season. Sharks. you got snakes oh, yeah. and sharks. Spiders. The best is the spiders in the early fall. Eesh. These big, giant banana spiders. So you, I'm sure you've all walked through the woods and caught a spider web in the face. Yep, or but weavers. Imagine it with a spider as big as my hand, right square in the face. Uh, 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 orb weaver. <laughs> you want a heart attack, that'll do it for you. Yeah. Yeah, so many creepy crawlies. Dang. Well, mm -hmm. well. Normally, Chris, uh, on our fan shows, uh, we our guest has a question for us. So, do you have a question for Matt and me? Yeah. So, you know, we all. I, I know it happened with me uh, in the Keys. I was on television often enough. There were some TV shows that I did, so I would get kids would come up to me and want to talk to me. Usually, an inopportune time after hours with my elbows resting on a hard surface with a cold beverage. But anyway, so what was the most memorable kid fan moment you ever had? Hmm. That's a good Not question. An easy question. Man. Yeah, they, well, typically it's not it, like the only time that really happens for me, as if I'm with Mark or Terry, <laughs> yeah. or Taylor, splash damage is what they call it. Yeah, that. usually I'm taking the picture. <laughs> hey, right. can you Let's take get a picture. picture? Here's the phone. Yeah, uh, so that doesn't happen as much as uh, I mean for them it does. Yeah, you know, you know, but uh, for me it would be more like just grown men, <laughs> which is not really <laughs> something you <laughs> are excited we about. Hot chicks as groupies, unfortunately. It, I like yeah. the baseball game. I, I know the feeling. My it, wife talks about that all the time. With my fan base was twelve-year-old boys or seventy-five-year-old men asking me fishing questions. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So baseball game, like going to a car Bush Stadium high probability of encounters. I was just there. Was that last week? The, the Bass Pro thing or the week before? Uh, I forget. A couple weeks ago, yeah. And so I went down there uh, with my family and we had a chance to go on the field beforehand to, to meet some of the players. And so anyways, I had two or three guys, you know, stop me in that instance. And that's, that's usually it. That or an airport, like the St. Louis airport, those would be the times. Mm -hmm. It's never, it's never any, it's never a kid <laughs> it's not, unless it's with Mark, Terry or Taylor. Yeah. Yeah. And the That's only, funny. the only recognition I ever get like on the kid's side is when my, when my daughter's friends find out that our show is on YouTube. 
because all they care about is YouTube fame. Yeah, true. And so the fact that we have a show on YouTube, like I'm, I'm automatically a YouTuber and that makes me cool. I, I guess, yes, I have encountered that with some of my son's friends, but really they don't care until like some of the people we've gotten to meet. That I get that. Mm-hmm. Qu- hey, so why did you get a meet so and so? You know, it's like, well, they're hunters, and we do this, you know, for a living, and 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 then you're all of a sudden, it's like some it of Cameron's, yeah, some of Cameron's friends, like they heard that I went hunting with Adam Wainwright, or they heard that you know I get to meet Mike Trout a couple weeks ago. Uh, it's yeah. like that kind of thing, and all of a sudden now they care. <laughs> like, hey, Matt's here. <laughs> Before they couldn't, they, they could care less. That is elevation. <laughs> that, that's right. So. Matt, tell me about people you know. <laughs> that's the, the kids care. I don't care about you. Nobody else does. Exactly. Yeah. Do you guys do a lot of like seminars and whatnot or not so much? Not a lot. Mark and Terry used to do that a ton. And, right. um, you know, that's how they built built the company and built mad right. calls back in the nineties. But, um, you know, Mark would do seminars all the time and Terry, you know, would do quite a few as well. And in the last, I don't know, maybe five to 10 years, they've really had me. I mean, we get requests nonstop for those guys specifically. And, um, they, they don't, they won't do them anymore. And, and it's not because they don't want to go and meet people and, and hear stories and all that. It's just more of a, they hunt, you know, basically nine months out of the year and yeah. they're not with their families nine months out of the year. They're they're with camera guys and farm managers and, Extended you know, family. Th- th- so in the off season, the last thing they want to do is go do more of that. And um, I think it took them a long time to kind of come to the point where they were comfortable saying no. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's one they're thing. They're pretty accommodating. Yeah. And that's one thing you see a lot um, with, with, if you, you know, read any kind of self-help type stuff or people are always like, you gotta be, you gotta be, get comfortable with saying no and not feel bad about it. Mm-hmm. And they're very comfortable saying no, no. <laughs> <laughs> They've yeah. learned that. They have learned that. And so yeah. usually I'm the bearer of bad news, but uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things, man. They, there's only so much time mm-hmm. and you know, for those guys, they, they don't want to spend even more hours, um, you know, away if mm-hmm. they don't have to. Well, one of my favorite things I get to do is go speak at like men's wild game dinners. That's fun because like there, there's a hunting connection. I get to talk about hunting and think about hunting a lot, but, but I get to talk about things that are also near and dear to my heart, like faith and just kind of leadership and things like that. It's, it's a nice way to kind of blend all those worlds together and then meet people in a different, in a different setting. So I, I really like doing that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, and, and I just, I don't know that seminars have the same, they don't pack the same punch that they used to now that people can get so much information, online yeah. and their forums and deer and there's lots of different ways to access learning mark talks about that a lot it's like we could go do a seminar that has you know 80 100 people or you could go facebook live and touch you know reach instantly reach a thousand yeah. people or five thousand people or whatever the yeah. case may be so it's almost uh how do you want to spend your time and if you spend it wisely you can you can still you know communicate uh we, we're just communicating in much different ways now mm-hmm. yep 100 percent. i get that yeah see i used to do a lot of seminars fishing seminars in the keys with kids that's why i was asking you about the kids uh, encounters sure. 
some of it could be pretty tough. <laughs> oh yeah. They, you know, if you, when we do the seminar, so we'll still do a few. It's usually for Bass Pro. It's usually like, Hey, Johnny Morris requested you guys to go do this opening or that. I'm saying no there. Yeah. That you don't say no. And so we, we will do that kind of stuff. And the seminars, Mark and Terry are great at, because we'll just do a Q&A more than a seminar. It's like, hey, what are the questions you guys have? How can we help and, and answer them? And so it, they're really good at uh, getting people to open up a little bit, but it can be like pulling teeth sometimes. I mean, if nobody, you know, if they're not asking questions, you really have to be on your game to get engaged and like get people opening up and, and pull it out of them. And Hey, you know, who raise your hand, who's, you know, harvested a deer with a bow, you know, that, that kind of stuff. It's like, you try to get them engaged with different, almost gimmicks to, yeah. to get them warm the crowd up and kids can be tough you know, so sometimes you'll get the, the kid that's like very outgoing and, you know, isn't afraid to talk, but most kids, they're super shy and you put them yeah. in a, a situation where they got to speak in front of a bunch of people, you know, they're just not comfortable with that. Yeah. So I don't like kids very much anyways. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that weird captain, <laughs> captain, can you, can like, can you knight Matt and I to become first mates, or is there some, is there some way of? Sure. I, Tim, used I, don't, to I don't, I don't fish professionally anymore. So. Tim's got a pirate's so. patch right here. He could wear if, yeah. that, that should be the stipulation. If we're gonna go on the boat, he's got to wear that patch the whole time. I'll lose my depth perception. Oh yeah, so yeah, we don't want to see what you had for breakfast. <laughs> I did get seasick out on Lake Michigan one. We there were rollers that we were walleye fishing, and it is. You just can't get away from it. Like once you have it, I, no, it's it, game over. I've oh. never been on a boat fishing before in my entire life. Oh, we got to change that, man. Uh oh, eh. got to go to the Florida keys trip. <laughs> well, I mean, you made fun of me for having a Zepco. That's my experience. I started that as a as a kid. I'm I'm not making fun. I'm 42. I just, I, it's funny because <laughs> I know guys that have, fish that have done like in intermarina sailfish tournaments with Zebco 404s to see how many sailfish they could land with a Zebco. So, wow. you know, it takes some real talent to catch big fish on a, on a Zebco. Well, you could be like next level and not even know it. That's right. Well, That's you it? know what? I mean, you could be making fun of me and I wouldn't even know any better because <laughs> it's really, I really wouldn't even care. Honestly, <laughs> yeah, just I'm happy to be here. That's the best part. It just rolls right off the just back. Just got my hot That's dogs it. and my bobbers. I'm That's ready right. to roll. Just here to have fun. I, I would like to, dad told the story. He might've told this on the, oh, you know what it was. We were, we were, okay. So we had this event just a couple weeks ago. It was a grand opening for uh back. Pro Shops here in the St. Louis region at Sunset Hills. Beautiful facility, just absolutely awesome Bass Pro. And Johnny asked us to come in. So Mark flew in just for a few hours. But Terry and I, it's not far from, it's like 10 minutes from where I live and it's maybe 40 minutes from where Terry lives. So anyways, we we were there and Tim came in, Roland, Roland Martin uh, was attending and Kevin Van Dam was attending. They even had like Whitey Herzog, the St. Louis Cardinals manager from the 80s was in there. And anyway, so 
after the event, we signed autographs for, you know, a few hours and, and the grand opening was awesome. Chris Jansen was there and it was a big, it was a big to do, <laughs> yeah. uh, the Lieutenant governor and Sarah Parker Polly, yeah, the, the MDC director was, of the MDC. Yeah, yeah. So anyways, we had scheduled a dinner for afterwards. Um, and whoever was sticking around, a lot of these guys were in and out, but for whoever was sticking around, we went to dinner. And so it was, um, uh, Tim, myself, Terry, it was Dustin, uh, from Bass Pro, one of the behind the scenes guys, and then Kevin Van Dam and Roland Martin. And <laughs> I it, was losing my mind. It, it was, uh, <laughs> and, and we've been to Kevin a few times. He's always uh, very accommodating and he's, he's a huge whitetail turkey guy a big deer cast user yeah so anyways he we he's he's fun to be around but i had met roland a few times i think there was that world fishing Clat fair last year mm. at bass pro had it was like their 50th anniversary we met him there and uh, mark and terry have known him for years and to sit at that table as a round table you know we only got there probably 8 30 or 9 for dinner after everything was was done it was a nice steakhouse and those guys just to kind of be in their presence and everybody was you know talking and having a good time and the stories were flying but terry told the story that in the i think it was in the late night mid to late 90s he was they used to hunt with this uh, guy by the name of uh rod gillis i think was his last name hot rod is what they always called him. He was uh, in Fog Hat. And He's a drummer, wasn't he? No, I thought Dad said he was one of the founding members. I don't know that he was there the whole duration of okay. the band's, you know. You guys come and go. Yeah. yeah, but anyway, so they used to hunt with him a lot, a whitetail hunt and, and all this. And he had invited them down uh, to go fishing with them. I think he might have had a big like charter type boat or something mm -hmm. like that. I, you know, I don't, I don't know the, all the terminology and all that, but anyways, they went fishing, deep sea fishing and dad caught a slam or something like that. He didn't even know what it he was. He was perplexed by and, what he and caught. And they were like going nuts <laughs> about what he caught. He's like, Oh, they're all like, Oh my God, you got a slam. And he's like, okay, cool. Like, <laughs> Dude, what does that mean? This is my background. <laughs> like, this is where I get it from. He's like, great. <laughs> you know, but it was a big deal to everybody, you know, and I forget what you would probably know, Chris, what, what all is a slam? Well, it depends on the species and, and where you are. Like, so in the Florida Keys, there was a, what they called a flat slam, which you would catch a tarpon, a bonefish, and a permit all in the same day. But I think he was in day, the, It's kind of like, it's, it's very similar to like a turkey slam, mm -hmm. or I guess people are doing a, a whitetail slam where to get all the subspecies. Yeah, I think he was in the, on the, maybe on the, was it Miami? Mm. Did you remember what he said, where they no. were coming out of? I don't recall either. It, it wasn't a trash can slam, was it? A hagfish, a lamprey. Yeah, the trash can slam is like a ladyfish, a jack creval, a catfish. There's saltwater catfish. That was the and and like a a grunt. No, that the it, trash can it, slam. It wasn't that. It was a bigger deal. Um, oh, no, I'm sure. What, what what's it? What would be one in the golf? Maybe it was on the other side. Uh, <laughs> probably the like a redfish, a sea trout. That was it. Ah. That was it. That was it. That's what there he did. Go. Yeah. 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 That, that was a big deal in the Keys. Uh, we, we did a lot of, didn't do a lot of flats fishing. We, we had a couple of captains that did, but that, that whole slam thing is a big deal. It's very much like a turkey slam or anything like that. But the, the biggest difference is you're doing it all in one day. So mm -hmm. there's actual tournaments that revolve around catching a slam that's cool terry wandered and, into you it know, <laughs> you get points per fish and if you can do the slam uh it's it's a big deal you, you had to hear like roland 
telling stories. Roland, Roland was great to to hear. You know, he is ate up with turkey hunting. He he's still oh, he's still yeah. a guide, a fishing guide down there. Where was he? The headwaters. The headwaters. Yeah. Uh, it, he used to be, you know, in, on Lake Okeechobee in Clewiston. I used to see him in the in the Keys all the time because he came down for the tarpon run, which is like right now. Yeah, he was always there to tarpon fish. Matter of fact, um, his son Scott, I got to be friendly with him down there at Bay of Honda State Park. Okay, they, they fish all the time. If you ever watch on TV and you see a fishing show with an old railroad trestle bridge in the back, that is Bay of Honda State Park, and it's one of the best tarpon spots, probably in the world. Wow. And I guess and where he's see them all the time. Yeah. Where, he, time. where he's at, it's a catch and release. Freshwater. It's large. It sounds mm -hmm. like they manage for largemouth. And he's like, like man, oh, the, okay. it sounds like they're just huge, you know, yeah, like seven pounders or pit. normal kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's probably a phosphate pit type of thing. I know there's, I, I'm guessing, cause I don't know for sure, but there's a lot of old strip mine pits for, for phosphorus, phosphate, all, you know, everybody who's a food plotter knows what that number is. And there's mines all over South Florida because all of South Florida is nothing but limestone and phosphorus. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's what they, if you drive down the Florida turnpike, when you get down towards Miami and you look off, you're heading towards the keys, let's say, and you look off to your right, you'll see these giant, giant shovels that pull up these like one town heaping mounds of this white, dirt and it's it's phosphorus and the phosphate pits are very fertile imagine that and uh so the basket huge you know they get tens and 12 pounders are are common there so that's, that's cool you know I mean, it sounds similar to what he's yeah. managing <clears throat> but anyhow it was a fun night it's one of those you know it's one of the perks that is one of the perks you know where you get to yeah. do some of these events and then you're with some of these guys are just the stories that just to sit there and listen to their stories. It's fun. Kevin told, uh, basically took the entire dinner to tell his Twitail story of him and his sons, him and his sons, all three killed giants there. And he's in Michigan and, uh, they, they you know, they have a couple two or 300 acres, I guess. And, and, um, manage you know try to manage and, and everybody in, in that area knows how hard that can be uh and and anyways he they all three killed i guess was maybe opening day of gun season and it yeah, was a day. really cool story fun story and and we got to listen to he, that he was taking me through all his deer cast and where he's hunting and everything and yeah. terry was calling because he was he was needing help like with directions on to get in i was like i i gotta i gotta go out in the parking lot and meet terry he's like well just let me show you some waypoints here on my deer cast. And he, it was crazy how eaten up Kevin was over his, over deer hunting in general. Yeah. Yeah, he is. Nice guy. Yep. So, yep. All anyhow. right. Well, we should wrap things up. Captain, it's been an honor, buddy. It's been a pleasure guys. It's yeah. uh, nice to finally get a chat with you. We appreciate all the, the crazies nuts, Captain Crazies nuts you've sent our way. They <laughs> are go. they are delicious. Nuts. It's possessive. It's not crazy nuts. It's crazy <laughs> yes. nuts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Two totally different things. Uh, so we'll we'll link up your Facebook page in the show notes if folks want to find you. Um, and if folks are interested in auditioning to be a guest on the show, there's a link in the show notes. You be can click and guest. Be a guest. Right. Hey, we're talking about Orlando Disney World at Fit. 100%. I've never been. I've only heard <laughs> stories. All right, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. Stay tuned next week. It's episode 322. What will that be? 
Stay tuned to find out. <laughs> All right. See ya. Till next time. Peace out. Take care. DeerCast is now supercharged with maps. Get ahead of your game with killer new features like live Doppler radar, wind checkout to five days, virtual rain gauges, GPS path tracking, and more. Plus, get our 14-day revolutionary DeerCast prediction and access to DeerCast track. Prep, predict, and pursue with DeerCast.